This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. This week, we are bringing you an excerpt from a recent online event commemorating January 6th, put on by Olympia Indivisible and the Washington Indivisible Network. Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal joined us, and she spoke about her harrowing experiences on that day two years ago. And she also lays out just what we need to do collectively in the coming months and years to preserve our democracy. That's next. So it is now my honor to to introduce somebody who has been more vocal about the urgent need to protect our democracy than really just about anybody that I can think of. Seventh District Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal is a senior whip of the Democratic Caucus. She is the chair of the Progressive Caucus. She is a dear friend to Indivisible. Congresswoman, listen, we are so grateful that you can make the time. We know how crazy things are on your end. We all watch C-SPAN. So thank you so much for being here. Stefan, thank you so much um, for that introduction. And as always, it is just wonderful to join Indivisible Washington. I want to thank you. I want to thank Kat. Um, I want to thank Ezra and Leah and everyone who makes Indivisible possible. Um, I hope you know that Indivisible has been such an enormous partner to me, both here at home in the district and nationally as part of the set of trusted movement groups that I've been proud to strategize and work with. And I'm also really thrilled to see my very good friend, Deputy Majority Leader Manka Dingra, who's been doing a phenomenal job for the people of our state in the state Senate. We couldn't be more fortunate to have her in our leadership at the state level. So this is, uh, this is a somber day for our democracy. Two years ago, our nation faced an insurrection, the deadliest and most destructive attack on our United States Capitol since the War of 1812. And I will tell you, although it's been two years, I remember it like it was yesterday. When the House floor was cleared on January 6th, about 30 of us were left behind, trapped in the gallery as insurrectionists invaded. Many of you saw that footage of me on the gallery floor on your TVs. It was the first footage to come out of the gallery at that time. And I remember each moment vividly. I remember the pounding on the doors, only feet from where I hid under the seats. I remember hearing the gunshot ring out. I remember clutching my gas mask and my cane at the time. I was five weeks into a knee replacement surgery, but those were the tools I had to fight back if the insurrectionists came in to kill us. And I remember not knowing if I would make it out alive. And the terror was gripping and the fragility of our democracy was revealed. This was an insurrection that was incited, enabled, and fueled by Donald Trump, the former president of the United States, and all those who went along with him as Republicans took direct aim at Americans' constitutional rights and our democracy, pushing incendiary lies about voter fraud and Democrats stealing elections from the highest levels. This was also a direct result of years and years of Republicans stoking hatred, fear, division, and white supremacy, embracing violence against black, brown, Asian, and indigenous communities, promoting hatred of LGBTQ Americans, of trans children, just like my daughter. And of course, the president of the United States at that time, Donald Trump, set up the notion that the election for the presidency of the United States was not going to be fair if he did not win. If he did not win, 
then the election was a lie and he would refuse to concede to a peaceful transfer of power, the bedrock of our democracy. And it was on that tidal wave of anti-democratic activity and rhetoric that the January 6th rioters descended on Washington and attacked the Capitol. We are today still picking up the pieces, still fighting battles rooted in the same extreme mega extremism of violence, hatred, racism, not only in the nation's capital, but in our cities, in our streets, and yes, even at our homes. And I saw that firsthand as a man with a gun showed up at my doorstep shouting racist and xenophobic profanities and stalking me. And as a country, we watched in horror as Speaker Pelosi's husband was brutally attacked in his own home. But thanks to the meticulous work of the January 6th committee, we now at least understand so much more of what happened in the days and the months leading up to January 6th and on that day itself. We do know that Donald Trump was at the center fueling and inciting a mob of insurrectionists to attack the Capitol and stunningly, stunningly refusing to allow the National Guard to respond, even as brave Capitol police officers were being beaten and brutalized and even killed. That is why, if there is any justice for what occurred that day, former President Donald Trump must be held accountable in a court of law. The January 6th committee referred four charges to the Department of Justice, and that is certainly what needs to happen next. And as you know, I have also sued President Donald, former President Donald Trump, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers, along with several other members of Congress. That case is wending its way through the federal courts. I do want to be clear on one point as we think about what we do going forward. The insurrection failed. They failed to stop the certification of a free and fair election. They failed to stop our democracy from being a democracy. And the best way to honor those who protected our democracy that day is not only to hold Donald Trump accountable, but to also push forward a bold pro-democracy, pro-worker, pro-family agenda in Congress and across the country. Democrats, and progressives can't just exist in checking Republicans, we also have to put forward our own vision that draws more and more Americans into protecting the fragility of this democracy. We can't just be the party of opposition, we also have to be the party of proposition. And that is the mission that I'm on in the House of Representatives. That means putting forward bold legislation, working with the Senate to pass our priorities where we can, and working with the White House to continue issuing critical executive orders and fighting the legal challenges that Republicans are mounting from student debt to abortion rights. The reality is for us to bring everyone back into our democracy and to win at least 52 seats in the Senate in 2024 and to take back the House and hold the White House, we need to be champions of freedom, family, and faith that working people across our country need. We have to defend our freedom, the freedom to vote, the freedom to make choices about our own bodies, the freedom from want. We have to protect our families, keeping families together, embracing all families no matter their makeup, and investing in our families with universal childcare, paid leave, affordable housing, and economic security. 
and we must be the protectors of faith. Faith in this country, faith in our democracy, faith in each of us having opportunity, regardless of the color of our skin or who we love or where we were born. And let's be clear, the next two years are going to be chaos as Republicans hold the House. The same kind of chaos that we have seen for the past four days as Republicans have been unable to accomplish even the simple task of electing a speaker from their own party. Two months ago, before they took control of the House, I predicted that Republicans would be in ruin. And the dysfunction of the last few days has clearly shown that prediction was correct. It has been 100 years since a speaker wasn't elected on the first ballot. We have now voted 13 times. And without a speaker elected, none of us are sworn in. There's no legislation being introduced. There's no committee assignments being made. Nothing can happen. This disarray has created a clear contrast between the Republicans and the Democrats. Democrats with just as tiny margins passed landmark legislation that really delivered for people, including the American Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the single largest climate action in American history, and the first time that we have taken on Big Pharma, forcing Big Pharma to negotiate drug prices with Medicare. And I do believe that we will get through this speaker battle. It may in fact be tonight in about four hours or a couple of hours that Kevin McCarthy finally gets the votes he needs to become Speaker of the House. But what he has had to give for that speakership is only going to create more chaos. He will be a puppet in the hands of those exact extreme mega Republicans who incited and fueled, in some cases participated in that insurrection and in the big lie. That could mean government shutdowns. It could mean holding the debt ceiling hostage to enact draconian cuts to Medicare and Social Security. That extreme MAGA so-called commitment to America pledge spells it right out. Their plan is to criminalize abortion and women's health care, slash seniors, Medicare and Social Security, weaken our democracy. And so we have to stay focused on what it is that a democracy is supposed to deliver. And that is opportunity for everyone, everyone, rural, urban district, red or blue district. It doesn't matter where, where you live, what your zip code is, but we need to fight to lower costs, to create better paying jobs, to build safer and welcoming communities, and to allow this next generation to believe that they will wake up to a better world. And I'm very happy to say, as the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, that we are stronger than ever before. We are ready for this fight. And thanks to the work of grassroots organizers like you and across the country, we also have a new generation of strong, bold, diverse, progressive leaders coming into Congress. So I know we can do this. We can overcome Republican chaos and ruin we can find our moments to push for bold action, both in Congress and directly from the White House. And that's exactly why we work year round organizing in Washington state, prepared for every opportunity that we have to organize, to convene incredible grassroots activists and to throw down when we need to. 
That is the work ahead of us. And we need each and every one of you engaged in this effort because everyone knows that fundamental change comes from the grassroots up. And I say that as an activist and an organizer that spent 20 years organizing at the grassroots before ever coming to Congress. We also know that protecting our democracy and affecting real change in both Washington DC and Washington state is not work to take lightly. It is not work that happens just once in two years or once in four years or right before an election. It is work that happens every day with every single one of you weighing in. And so I am grateful to Indivisible and I wanna thank you for that work and to ask you to please continue to join in the effort to take part in Indivisible's Take Action Network and Truth Brigade, because today, as we commemorate this day, and we did as Democrats on the Capitol steps this morning, as we commemorate this day two years ago of the insurrection that fueled so much chaos, hatred, so much disorder across the country, the only remedy to that is the action of every one of you to protect, to uphold, and to strengthen our democracy. So from me to you, with so much love and so much gratitude and the request to keep it up, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. And that'll do it for this week. The executive producer of the show is Kat Pipkin. If you'd like to see a video version of this podcast, head to facebook.com slash indivisiblepodcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Kowal. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.